We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Jack Ramsey's Danny Morang, Brandon Sprague. It is, uh, what, what day is it? Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday. It is Tuesday, <laughs> confirmed. <laughs> I lose track of these things. I need somebody to help. Please send help now. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers beat the Indianapolis. Indiana, I keep wanting to call them the Indianapolis Pacers. God dang you, NFL. Uh, football season. I was going to say, the yeah, football season throwing it's, it's, you it's, off. It's getting me, man. The Indiana Pacers, uh, <laughs> after blowing a 26-point lead to the Milwaukee Bucks, are now 1-1 one one on this five-game road trip, 5-12 uh, and 12 on the season. We are now three games away from basically what is assumed to be the quarter pole uh, of the season. Again, 17, 20, 20 out of 82, nearly a quarter for all those struggling with the math. There we go. Um, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. I've uh, my alma mater hired a new coach today. I'm watching the Milwaukee Blazer Bucks. Win no their... reference to your alma mater losing their their coach. Well, we only talk about positive things on this podcast. Come, babe. Uh, watching our Bucks, you know, uh, our Bucks group. Yeah, our Bucks this year. Come on, it's okay. They're going to win their group and advance in Cup play. Uh, watching a Giannis lot of NBA franchises. Or... Just kind of melt in front of our eyes, hate each other, you know, mm. just enjoying what sports is offering right now, Danny. I like it. I like it. Uh, again, like, rate, view, subscribe. Help us grow the show. Do all of the things, whether it's here on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, uh, Jack Ramsey's uh, Blue Wire podcast presented to you by Move Insoles. There you go. Hey, hello. I'm Bib. Uh, I'm curious. So it's been a couple games since we last had the podcast. I've been mm. taking notes down. Ooh, notes. I like notes. Well, I'm curious when you when you're watching a game. Let me let me start because I want to start with some vet talk. But before I dive into that, I want to mm-hmm. ask you: when you watch a game, I open my notes app, and mm-hmm. I don't always take notes. Sometimes I just watch a game and it's just kind of stream of conscious. Okay, this is what I would hit on if I was talking about this game. Do you do you do you observe things and write them down? Are you a notes app guy when you watch the games? My phone. Yeah. Um, so I, I've got a space on my phone and my notes app or within my notes app of game notes. Um, and it's very, usually very subtle in the sense of like, it's a time in like two words mm-hmm. um, because I, I go back and rewatch everything and I want it for reference more than anything else. I will occasionally at home games, I will write down questions. I, I may want to ask Chauncey post game right. or ask a player post game. Um, you know, Hey, there was this thing happened here. Uh, that way I have the, the time, the situation, that kind of a thing. Um, 
those kind of things I'll take some notes on. I've got a little notepad that I use for, um, I still am old. I hand write a lot of the tracking stuff that I do. Yeah. Because it help, kind of helps reinforce ideas and patterns yep. and stuff like that for me. Um, so when I do my rewatches, I have a little notepad. Um, and that's, well, normally it's right here, but it's in my bag right now. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I 100% get what you're going. I know guys like Quick and Richmond, they, they take pretty extensive notes during games, I've noticed. Yeah. Um, also, I use, it's just going to sound dumb, but I use live tweeting. Like that is kind of a, a form of notes sure. too, because I'll just scroll back through and be like, "Where, when was that?" And like, "Oh, okay, there it is," and I'll go back through and use that as a, as a as a point to kind of figure that out. I like to I like to in real time. Sometimes if I do do the hand notes, I don't do it often as much. I do more notes on my phone. But if I'm doing hand notes, I like to do how I'm feeling in certain moments of the game. Like, hey, let's say it's eight minutes, you know, left in the first quarter, so the game's kind of just started. So and so appears to have pretty good control, or so and so kind of dictating pace, or so and so seem to really be taking something away. Like as the game is kind of going, just to kind of look back and go, man, it, either it worked out where that team early on just dominated and won, or man, can you see how that kind of the other team responded to some of these things that stuck out to me? They didn't have as much success on later in the game. Yeah, no, I mean it, it's yeah. Because I don't, I don't track. I'm, I'm not tracking some of those stats that you track. I'm track. Yeah. Sometimes I'm tracking like the emotions of the game. Or no, no, the for sure. Of the game, you know. You're, you're trying to pick up on things that it, you know. I don't know that you think matter in the moment or don't matter in the moment. You're like, oh, I almost right. remember. Like to go back to that kind of that that yes. little thing more the more than just like the I don't know the nitty gritty of it all. It, it, exactly. That's what I like to do. But um, since the last pot. So the Blazers, let's run this down real quick. Blazers mm-hmm. beat down the Jazz at home. Second worst they, defense in, in basketball. Uh, yeah, and, you know, got them in a good spot. Both are on back-to-backs, but it's in Portland, so Utah keep, continues to be on the road. They come damn close to beating the Bucks. You could argue they probably should have beaten the Bucks. They were 26 points, but the Bucks, you know, they have these two guys, Giannis and Dame, pretty good. Might have mm-hmm. heard of them. Then they go to Indiana. Uh, Indiana. You almost got me on the Indianapolis thing. Mm-hmm. They go to Indiana. And they, I, I know it sounds funny out loud, but they, they kind of beat a red-hot Pacers offensive-heavy team, and they keep them below 111 points, which may not sound good in theory, but if you had tracked Pacers basketball prior to that game... Just scoring a buck it, 50 a game. Like, that was a pretty impressive feat, I thought, defensively. And one player in this stretch, not not just one, but one player for me in particular that I want to start with and give some love to the vets is Jeremy Grant. And I I know you'd mentioned it on the radio show. I know you have talked about this before. Jeremy Grant is averaging 28 points per game the last three games. Mm -hmm. He's shooting uh, 77% from three, excuse me. And I know you've been on it. The value that a Jeremy Grant adds to a team like this, a team that may not have winning expectations, but a team that so far, outside of a couple games, has largely been close, competitive, tough, not rolling over in most instances when these vets are playing. And Jeremy's really spearheading a lot of this. I know we'll get to the other vets, too, and what they've done. But I wanted to start with Jeremy just because he's having a nice run for himself right now. No, Jeremy's Jeremy's been feisty. Uh, last five games, averaging 25 a game, shooting uh, 51, 61, 87. Crazy. <laughs> That's pretty damn good. Just going to throw that out. Just throw that out there right now. Um 
people were saying at the beginning of the season in the offseason after Dame was traded, like, oh, Scoot and Shaden are going to start and and they're going to get all the touches and they're going to get all the shots and they're going to, you know, it's like you're sitting there going, uh-huh, that's not how this is going to go. <laughs> that's not how this is going to go. There's, there's, none, there's none of that. Like, they're not ready for that. And we've seen through 17 games, they're not ready for that. Mm-hmm. And so you've got really – it's unfortunate that, that – that, that Robert Williams uh, III is, is out for the season because he would have been another steadying presence that you have in the, on, on the bench group. And so you've got this 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 group really, when healthy, you, you're supposed to have JG and DA in the starting lineup and then Brog and Time Lord with mm-hmm. the bench group. And then you sprinkle in your young guys in through the rest of that. They were going to be kind of your foundational... They were going to be the concrete for the, the the posts that are Ant, Shaden, Scoot going forward, right? Yeah. Like, they they were going to be what they were grounded in because they have been there. They're veterans. They're experienced. I, I put up a clip on Twitter last night of Malcolm Brogdon working a pick and roll uh, with DA where it was very, 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 very simple. Just this mid-pick and roll, come up, screen on the left-hand side, gets across. Again, getting Brogdon to go to his left, um, difficult to do. He wants to go right so bad. But he gets around that corner. He sees Miles Turner and drop. DA's floating back down. DA actually sent a good screen. It was one of the better screens he set. It's just, you know, we'll talk about DA screening. It's a little, it's a little, yeah, yeah, I want to get to little, DA for little, sure. A little hit or miss, but the other stuff has been great. Well, but, he had one of the more viral screening moments of all time happen a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it did it did lead to a wide open shot. To be fair, the screens are just the play in general. Look, look, they tried to run up to get to JG. They weren't going to get there. It was a hell of a lift. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but it's a very simple screen. Brogdon makes the read. Defender, I think it was Buddy Heald. If I remember right. He goes over and gets in a trail position. Turner's in drop, which means there's a pocket at the 12-foot spot. He just pulls up. Yak, you're going to give me this? Mm-hmm. Okay. In that read, we take it so for granted important because we had Damon CJ for so long. We, we, we watched Damon CJ for so long. We've all collectively seen how effective and great they were as pick-and-roll operators. Yeah. And so... When you see Scoot out there not making that read, you're like, oh, oh, that doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. But when you go look at a guy like Jeremy, I hate that he isos. I hate that he posts up. And then you watch him go, I'm going to take your little ass down on the block and I'm going to back you down 12 feet over and over and over and over again. And I'm not going to change what I'm doing because you're not changing what you're doing. Right. That's veteran. That's elite. When you can do the same thing over and over and over and over again and they can't stop you, that's when you're good. And you need that to to, to buffer, to betrust your team. And that's what Jeremy Grant is. Is he the best player on the face of the planet? No. Is he a very solid player? Yes. And you can get him going. I mean, what he did to Indiana was, I, I call it embarrassing, because he dog walked them. Yeah. Over at 17 points on just dog walks down to the post. Catch, bang, bang, turn middle, fade. 
bang, bang, turn middle, layup. I mean, just over and over and over again. And, and you people are like, well, that's not helping Shaden. That's not helping Scoot. Did you watch Shaden last night? You know who wasn't helping Shaden? Shaden. Yeah. You know who wasn't helping Scoot? Scoot. You get, everybody's like, well, they need the reps. You don't need bad reps. You don't need bad reps. And if you're not, what happens night in, night out, Brandon, so much, as everybody looks at the box score. Well, Jeremy took 23 shots. Malcolm took 19 shots. What they don't remember is the shots Shaden passed up on, Scoot passed up on, or the turnovers that they had that took away from shots that they would have had. It's right. Like, Yes, they are further down the pecking order, but the number of times I can pull up clips on both of them passing up shots or driving into the defense and getting a little bit of resistance and immediately kicking off the ball as opposed to trying to force, which is what you'll see Jeremy and Brog do very often because that's what you have to do as a leading score kind of guy. You have to force the defense to commit. You have to carry the ball a little bit deeper, and I think that's what's so... That's the difference between veterans who can score 20 a game and young guys. They don't know how to do that. Can I let me interject real quick? So on that, I, I noted this yesterday, speaking in the notes. I, I had to listen to the second half of this game via Travis Demers. I was in gymnastics class. There was no TV at this one. So I'm like, I'm the dad on the bleachers listening to a Blazer game in his ears as Demers is going crazy. I, I, I want to ask you about what you're hitting on here, because I noted this. It when people are complaining that Shaden or Scoot are not getting enough shots or, hey, so-and-so's taking way more, they should be getting – those guys should be getting more. I think the one thing we can universally acknowledge is when a player like Scoot, who is 19 years old and new to this league, when he's forcing a shot or when he's going to get a shot, he's made his mind up, it, 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 it looks a little off. You can see Whereas it. Jeremy, even in ISO to me, Danny mm-hmm. – it feels timely. It feels thought out, and it feels like he knows oh, yeah. what he's going to do before he gets there. I found where how I'm going to get this. Whereas like yeah. Scoot's like I'm going to go get a shot, and it just it there's a clunky difference between getting a shot at their level mm-hmm. and getting the shots that Jeremy's getting right and, now. And that's the question that I have for Scoot, and that's the question I kind of have for Scoot in his first two years. I have a scoot thing that I want to throw at you tonight, by the way. Okay. My question is, is in general, is is how is he going to score? I've heard multiple people talk about this, and this is something I've been watching for. Like, It's nice to see him knock down a few threes off the dribble. Also, the Bucks game was great. It would see him do that. He also was missed great. one by four feet. He, he did. You know what? We're not perfect. All right, Daniel. <laughs> so let's 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 tighten the barometer a little bit. Right, let's like if us have like I like I like the mix. Let's just have the misses be a little less like thud, like going and, knocked up on me. Let's <clears throat> tighten it. Yeah, just, you know, just tighten. Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't say lose, just tighten it. <laughs> we, yeah, we can't say this. Just tighten it. Yeah, and that's the thing is like let's just tighten that up just a uh, little bit. Um, he had a nice little mid range pull up against Indiana. I was like, ooh, spicy. I like that. And then he went to another mid-range pull-up, and I was like, oh, please throw that in the trash. (laughs) (laughs) Your footwork was a mess. You do not have the body control necessary to pull that shot off yet. Um, And for me, it's it's a a two-step process for Scoot when it comes to scoring. Can he learn to finish at the rim 
because he is struggling at the rim. Everybody wants to talk about threes and jump shot. Yeah, he's struggling at the mm-hmm. rim. Um, I want to see what that looks like, and I want to see if he can get something out of his jump shot or uh, at his um, mid-range pull-up. I'm okay. Like, if he never develops a three-point shot, it is what it is. As long as he's good at the rim and in between. Like yeah. You, you got to have two spots. You got to have two levels. So you, you can't be drawing kinda, blanks from multiple spots. Right? Yeah. No. You, you look. If you're not going to be a three point shooter, you got to find a way to be really good at the rim <clears throat> and have the in between game. Like I, 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 if Mike Conley retires today, I hope Scoot goes and spends an entire off season with Mike Conley at, with his in, in, in with his Mike Conley school of floaters. Mm-hmm. That's that's where I want him to go because that that in between game is something he just doesn't have right now. Just I know he's been shooting incredibly poorly. And I don't want to go through everything, but I want to highlight this for you. What do you think Scoot is shooting at the rim? Uh, you were saying that, and I was trying to think in my head if I knew that. I don't know that number. Uh, my guess, at the rim, not a good number. 36.5%. You're pretty close. 41. Okay, a little higher than I thought. Yeah, That's the, that's the third percentile. <laughs> He's twenty seven percent in the short mid range. Yeah. So basically, that in between spot, it's it's not good. Basically, twelve feet and in, it's really bad. And he's right. got to find a way to. That's the thing that I want to see him focus on as a scorer, because I think his natural passing ability and willingness is very high. Right. But stuff is not going to open up for him to be able to spray the ball around until he starts creating his own lanes, both with his handle and with, with something reliable to like a string to pull offensively. There's so 19 years old makes a lot of what you're saying, incredibly difficult to execute. I think in the league when you're still feeling out things, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, one thing I noted in the last two, just the two games about him and, and look, this is such a tiny thing, but I think, I think as the season goes on, we need to evaluate him in this way more so than like the overarching. What is he from three? What is he like? What you're saying growth. is right. Yeah, growth and and like one. T- it's a tiny little example, but like going out on the break, getting the steal, getting the ball, going out on the break. I've seen him make mistakes there. I've also seen him it, lately feel like he's controlling his body a little bit and use it to get angles, shield guys off. Now, I know he missed the free throws last night, but I thought, for example, his play that leaked out where he went down the court, he ended up getting fouled on it. I thought it was a good play. I thought it was a good mm. use of his body. He got to the line. He didn't make the free throws, and that's a different conversation. But it's it's the tiny little things, I think, that I'm trying to look for with him, given how he has kind of started his career so far. Yeah, no, that's, that's the thing. is, I'm not sitting here saying, Scoot needs to give you 15 points and seven assists and then shoot this. Like, let's see the growth. Let's right. You you know this because you you know how I've kind of scouted, so to speak, young young players over the years. I don't. I really don't get go hard on young players. Their first four years, I look at that. Oh, no, people a, were mad at you that you weren't going at Ant before the contract happened, and you were yeah. like, "Look, I, he's not perfect, but I'm not. I have nothing to say until he gets the contract." Yeah. You, you, once you get your second contract, that's when I go after guys. Like that's when you've got real money. That's when you've spent four years. You've got. Yeah. You're not wet behind the ears anymore. 
And I, I, it's the same thing for me with everyone. Do I point out things that I like or don't like? Yeah, absolutely. I love Tumani's defense. His offense has been non-existent with the exception of a couple times where he's knocked down some threes. Yeah. Um, like, let's see how that development goes. Shaden this year started out hot. He has cratered the last two weeks. Yeah. I mean, it is bad. And yeah. he is, I've had some people ask me this. He, I have asked him numerous times, numerous times about his finger. He has told me flat out it is not bothering him at all. And nobody well, the, something's bothering. He got a T last night. Well, uh, uh, my theory on that is he's been playing like crap and he was pissed off. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is something is clearly yeah. not happening for him because he got pissed off, and yeah. we don't see him get teased very no, often. No, that's his third team of his career. He got two last year, one this year. Now, um, I look at it and I go, "Look, young guys, inconsistent." I don't think. What's interesting is that this time last year, Shaden was terrible. He went into that like 12 game funk where he was dog water. Mm-hmm. It just could not hit anything. Maybe this is who he is every year. Maybe he's a kind of a, all right, let's go. And then he kind of, his body says no for about 10, 12 games. Like there are so many different types of players in the NBA. Um, Dame is, is a diesel engine. He's a, he's a ramp up kind of guy. CJ was a guy that usually remember first 14, 15 games of the season always was like, there's CJ. Oh, slow out the gate. And, then, and yeah. then you'd see him, ah, there it is. Like, yeah. I remember the last couple of years, he would have a, a couple starts like that in the last few years, and people were like, oh, man, what's happening? And then he'd randomly go for 30, run off a few games, series. Some other guys, they start the season nuclear hot, and you're like, God dang, but then they kind of uh, they kind of wear down a little bit. So the, I, there's ebbs and flows to people's styles, games, bodies, all kinds of things, right? Um so it's it's more of like okay let's take a look and see where this fits in and again like he like I said he told me flat out that his finger was not bothering him. He, he What's tried, sticking out to you then? Uh, his aggressiveness has waned significantly. He feels a little more passive, huh? Yeah, last two weeks. How much of that? Okay, now I I know we we've seen the other end of it. All right, we've seen what it's like when he doesn't have Malcolm Brogdon out there. But I am kind of wondering like. The having vets, the not having vets, back to all the, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm just kind of wondering, is he, is he struggling fitting in and out of situations given the injury start that they've had to the sure. season? And that's that's a, it's a fair question in the sense of like, do you look at it and go, is Shaden now an on the ball guy only? Like when I've talked to people around the organization about Shaden, they feel that he's uh, not a ball dominant guy when he's at his like for if, if we're projecting Shaden out 5 years. Yeah. Like we're pushing him to 25, 26, 27. I think they look at him more like Jalen Brown. We're like he's he's you know, on the ball but not on the ball. Right. You know, he's 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 a number number 2 type kind of mm-hmm. guy as far as on the ball usage. Now, it doesn't mean he's not going to get a lot. He's he's not going to be Shea. Like he's not going to be Luca. Like he's not going to have. He's not going to be Dame. He's not going to have a thirty-plus percent usage rate. He's going to be a number two guy who's uh, attacking second sides. Who's going to be you know getting to run the offense, but not as the primary trigger man on most nights. Like where yeah. you look at like Ant or Scoot. The way Scoot would project right now, that Scoot would be your table setter. Ant would be a guy with a supremely high usage rate. 
Right. Like Ant's a guy you go go run our offense. Like you you've heard um, DeAndre Ayton was was great when he was talking about Ant um, and him getting back on the floor. So right before they left for the road trip, yeah, I can't remember who asked him. Somebody asked him, like, "Are you excited to have like Ant come back?" He goes, "Yeah." It's like he's like Devin Booker. Like, do you, do you understand how teams treat him? Like mm-hmm. scouting reports, stuff like that. Like teams are terrified of him. And so, like, he he is a guy where your entire defense is built around stopping that dude from getting going. Where Shaden is, like, if you're on the ch- if you're on the, the the chalkboard, it's Ant then Shaden. And so, I think that's where they kind of project Shaden in that group right now. And that's not like a shot at the guy. Like, that's a really good player. <laughs> like, if you're if your name's on the chalkboard, you're really good. Yeah. So there's like I, I know everybody wants to project Shaden as like Michael Jordan 2.0. He's not that player. I think he can be a very, very, very good number two. So let me ask you that then. If, if that's kind of your position right now, uh, early in Shaden's career, we were talking about Scoot a little bit. If I told you, I said this to uh, somebody a couple weeks ago, and they, they weren't like, oh, my God, what? They, they kind of had the same reaction that I thought. I just was trying to throw it out there. I've been watching Scoot, and I'm like, I don't, I'm not a professional scout. I don't know what. Everybody thinks his ceiling is, how much that's changed in just a couple weeks, I, whatever it is. If I told you the ceiling for Scoot, Danny, mm-hmm. the ceiling is Mike Conley again. Like that, you mentioned that name, but that's exactly the name I threw out. Mm-hmm. A one-time all-star, obviously known for his time with the Grizzlies. It didn't quite work out for the Jazz, just you know, time of trade, all that stuff. If that Scoot ceiling is Mike Conley's career, how are you taking that? I think that's a really good pick. I think people have skewed what players are, how rare players are all-stars. Yeah. You know, God, I can't remember the number. Well, some players, it's just like such a slam dunk every year that it becomes like, oh, it's their ninth all-star. Cool. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. is like, not once a big you're, deal to well, No, once you're in, you're in. But like, let's remember, CJ McCollum never been an all-star. Yeah. And everybody sits here and talks about how great a player CJ McCollum was. Because he was. Mike Conley has been an all-star. He's a career like 15 and six guy, mm-hmm. but I can't, I was having this discussion with a scout the other day. And it's funny that you bring up Conley because I used him as the, as the barometer because there's just, when I look around the league, there's nobody left who's running a team like that. There's mm-hmm. no more Rondos. There's no more Andre Millers. There's no Mike Conley's Chris Paul's coming off the bench. Like yeah. the floor generals don't exist. Skylar Mays is like a rarity. That's part of why I love his game. The guy, Skylar Mays went from a two-way to dropping uh, double-doubles in points and assists off, off a two-way. The guy gets you organized and gets you into your stuff. For sure. Team organizers are so rare. You, you have an obscene IQ and a control and the ability to dictate everything that's so rare in today's game because everybody is about pull-up jumper, pull-up jumper, offensive maximization. A guy that can get you in and out of your stuff, play on or off ball, like, oh, God. Like, Mike Conley would be an insane, insane outcome for Scoot. And see, I don't say, I, see that as a bad thing. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you lockstep. I said that on the phone. I was like, I think this would, I think it would be amazing, personally. If Shaden can pop a little bit, you obviously are going to be in the draft, so maybe you hit another player like Tumani is suddenly a, a prospect for them now, and can he improve the offense? We'll have to wait and see a little more on that. But like, 
I'm kind of with you here. I, I think largely we're just in an era where it's like if you're not Steph Curry, if you're not, you know what I mean, these generational mm-hmm. – and I'm not saying like most people – think this way i'm just like i think some people the discussion and the discourse is is like this yes it's a little different and if i'm like yo the best he's gonna be is mike conley i think some people will go really that's it and i'm like mike conley's a really good he was a really good basketball player in his prime that you'd want on anybody how dare you disrespect my man jordan pool in dc by the way table setters come on what are you are you overlooking jordan pool good god Okay, so the scoot one's interesting. I'm curious, do you, are you seeing traits? Is he showing signs of being that table setter? Like when you see his game, are you seeing that? Not yet. No. And that's that's the thing that I, I look at and I go, okay. Because he has a natural inclination to want to spray the ball around. He does. He wants to be a playmaker. Um, th- there's little things that I've noticed from him um, – like I don't, I don't see the Conley comp, um, right? Because Conley was such a good shooter in his interior, like floater game. It's like him and Tony Parker, like those are the two best like floater guys in the history of of modern NBA basketball. Their their, their touch is just like you know. And the thing about Conley is he's got that jitterbug quickness. Same thing with TP mm-hmm. and um, Scoot's quick. He's not that quick. Right, but he's very quick and can get to his spots. So if he is ever able to develop that touch, oh, that's such a win. But the thing about Conley is, remember, Conley came into the NBA at twenty-one, playing on very, very, very good Ohio State teams with Greg Oden. Yeah, right. Played with Greg in high school, like professional point guard all the way through. Played with pros all the way through. Very heady guy. Developed was very ready, and even then, people questioned how ready he was. The guy that I had somebody say to me the other day that is, I think, more in line with this is um, I think he's better playmaking Marcus Smart. And by that, I think he can be the leader and heartbeat of a team without necessarily being the leading scorer. And I think because you look at Smart, he's like, I want to say he's like 12 and 6. I think he's around 12, yeah. I think you can get more creation out of Scoot if he can develop his game offensively. But I see that kind of like heartbeat of a team. Like he, he, he could, but God, he makes, he commits so many fouls. He works his ass off defensively. He does. And they, they do gravitate towards him. Like he has a natural leadership ability. Like, I think he's like, <laughs> this is kind of a weird way of saying this. Um, Marcus smart, but less of an asshole. For now. Well, I mean, I think he his, might he might become one, man. I mean, I don't mean that in like I'm I'm talking about the stuff of like going too far. Because smart okay. goes smart goes too far with stuff. Same with same That's with fair. But like I don't get me wrong, Scoot's got some edge to him. He's competitive as hell. Um wait, I don't think we've talked since we had he's had the goggles, right? Yeah, he came back with the goggles. Came back yeah. with the goggles. Um I asked him about him. They might be here to stay. He's liking the feel of it. He's he's in on the goggles. I God, so I, I need I showed him a picture of Buck Williams, and he said, oof, those are a little too big, but, you know, I can make those look good, too. I'll make anything look good. He's wearing those, like, Oakleys with, like, a blended-in strap in the back. Yeah, he's – yeah, there's there's a lot going on there. Um, I can't remember the brand, but um, we, we threw out the idea of, like, maybe he needs to have some Scoot-branded goggles, some Puma-branded goggles, and he was like, you know. I mean, 
his he's got two O's in his name. Like it's literally yeah. like Scoot. You know what yes. I mean? Like hundred percent. There's, there's I, some I need branding him under the braids. Under the braids, do the afro. I think it would look a little better. But you know, know what? I the, like the, the look. The, the braids of the goggles is pretty good too. All of this to say is like I'm, I'm not saying that that Scoot is going to be Barker Smart or going to be Mike Con- like the, the, the stylistically. There's some Mike Conley. I'm just looking at him in the sense of like where are we at now and what does he look like he's going to project to. Um, and for those that are like, he's the number three overall pick. Mike Conley was number four. Marcus Smart was number six. Yeah, but see, that's what I'm talking about is like you throw out those names and I, I some of those, maybe Marcus Smart for people isn't uh, good enough, big enough. I, I don't know. But like we threw out names and immediately it's say, well, he was drafted number three. Okay. Like, do you know how hard it is to hit the right player in this in these drafts sometimes? You, you hope you, to get an all-star? Yes. At that spot, but a really good starter, which Mike Conley and Marcus Smart, they're both really good starters. They're, like they're both heartbeats of teams. Like I think people forget that Mike Conley led that Memphis team and got that Memphis team structured that grit grind for like a decade. Like they were there every single year. Remember Two the wins from the finals. I mean, remember that team that the Blazers went up against after winning in the first round, and they went out there and got summarily executed by. Yeah, that, that was Mike Conley. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I don't think for anybody out there hearing these names and going, oh, my God, Danny and Brandon are already pivoting out. No, it, no we're just making, we're yeah. making observations of what we've seen so far yeah. and basing off what we've seen. We're just kind of throwing ideas out there, even though he's only 19 years old. It's not a – I mean, his ceiling could be higher than a Mike Conley for all we know. I don't know how much he's going to grow, develop, learn from these moments. The fouling is absolutely a problem. Mm. And I know he likes to be aggressive, but like at some point, Chauncey's and maybe Chauncey's already done it. Hey, man, like just stop. We, we'd be nice to have you in the fourth <laughs> yeah, quarter. They, they've they've got to figure that out. Which I, I think that's that's every rookie in general. But um, he wants to compete defensively. He's he's showing some things uh, offensively. Like I know everybody's like, oh, he only had one assist. So I went back through and I've watched the last couple games where he's only had back to back games of one assist, and he. Um, Looking at the at the potential assists, like all of his passes and shots he created, while he's been on the floor, he's created like five or six shots a night that are like, yeah, those are really good looks. Yeah. Um, the hit aheads to DeAndre look like looking for lobs. There's more opportunity. Like his willingness to look for the lob is already better than most guys on the team. There's probably three a night that this team misses to DeAndre. Yeah. Le- legitimately. Like it's Every night I'm sitting there going, oh, just throw the goddamn ball up, please. <laughs> you know, it's like, and it's not just a scoot thing. It's like, the, it's still a, um, it's a team full of guys that aren't really um, thrilled about throwing lobs, I guess. Sure. Um, but if we if we get there, you know, it's you know, it's one of those things where it's like, eh, there you go. I, I do I do think, and I I think I saw you note this on Twitter. Uh, I just I I like. The game plan when they come out and they kind of get DeAndre pretty heavily involved early. I oh, feel they're like force feeding him in the first quarter like there's no tomorrow. But, but I, th- I think it's the right approach. It mm-hmm. sets the tone. It allows him to stay mentally locked in and engaged. He kind of gets hungry for the ball. You mentioned opportunities mm-hmm. to lob it that are there. And he initiated some contact. And uh, He's getting to know, the free throw line. He's I doubled know, his free throw line. total in two, in two games. So it's like I, I, I think it's the right approach. I want to get to a coaching thing tonight. But like I, I think what DA and I know – the tweet went viral. I certainly retweeted it because it was hilarious. But like the screen setting, yeah, one tweet mm-hmm. went viral. But like 
he's been a beast in screen setting too. So I just I like what they're doing right now with him when they're starting these games. Yeah, I want to see better screens from Da. That's that's like I want to really? see I want to see better screens and I want to see him roll harder for sure. Um, I think it's incumbent. How much of that is player de- dependent though? Like how much there, of it there is, is the that's exactly side? that's exactly what I was going to get to. Scoot and Shaden need to be a lot better about getting guys in the angles. But mm-hmm. I also think that, that there's an element, and I don't think Da's pounding. I think he knows he has a general idea of like this ball's not coming to me on this roll, <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't roll quite as hard. Um, I've seen this guy pass. He's not making this pass. Yeah, I think there's an element of that. Uh, which maybe like you, you got to break that stallion of that, you know, cause that probably happened in Phoenix. You know, that was one of the criticisms. Like he doesn't screen well enough. He doesn't roll hard enough. Mm-hmm. I think Chauncey's got to find a way to get through there. But I also think you're seeing that when he does roll hard and they have found him, that's those have been his trips to the free throw line. Scoot has found him when he's rolled really hard a couple times and like gets him to the free throw line. Um, my God, cause can the man shoot the living hell out of the ball? Mm-hmm. He, I mean, I'm going to pull up his, his live because, you know, it changes and everybody wants to argue with me when I call DeAndre Ayton the best mid-range shooting big man in the league, not named Nikola Jokic. Let's see. Right now, he's in the 92nd percentile in long mid-range shots. He is in the 81st percentile overall in all mid-range. He's f- shooting over 51% from mid-range while in the 99th percentile. So he is taking the most mid-range shots for all big men in the league. It is accounting for 65% of his total shots, and he's shooting 51% on them. That is obscene. That's absolute. That's Kevin Durant from the mid. That's what he's doing. So everybody's like, well, I want him to... I don't care. <laughs> like, look, I want him to go to the rim too. But if you're going to cook like that... From the mid range, feast. Well, I feast. Th- that kind of number almost makes me go. Why is he not getting more shots? Yes, and I think that that's getting Malcolm and Scoot back. You're seeing a little bit more space open up, and I think Jeremy's starting to knock down some shots. I think they're, they're where they're triggering some actions from. They're opening things up just a little bit more and it's allowing more room for DeAndre. They're also getting DeAndre the ball earlier, not mm-hmm. in the clock, but earlier in the roll. So more free throw line extended as opposed to deeper in the paint because teams are still packing the paint against the Blazers. Um, I would like to find... The other thing the other side of this is for DA. When he is getting these mismatches on these switches, which is happening a lot, and teams are doing it more and more frequently because they're realizing that the Blazers won't toss the ball in, when D.A. has, like in the Bucks game, he got Pat Connaughton. I love Pecon. That's my guy. Tough as nails. DeAndre's got eight inches on him, nine inches That's on him. That's a massive difference, yeah. Like, he's a big dude. Like, he caught the ball and then, nah, and kicked it back out. Man, crab dribble his ass once. Mm-hmm. Once. Make a double come. Make somebody think about it for a second. If you get a mismatch and you, bah, you give him one, I'm not going to get mad. In fact, I want you if you if you give it up immediately and there's not a and it's because they didn't double, I'm going to be irritated. Not that that be the bleeping thing to him, but like I'm going to get frustrated. But if it's you're like, getting but see if you're getting irritated, somebody else is watching this going, um, yeah, shoot yeah. that ball. If you're not going to turn and hit that that right-handed hook over the top of him, there's yeah. there's been this thing where it feels like his left hip is a little stiff in that if he can't clear that hip without contact he won't do it because he wants to turn almost fade on that hook 
as opposed to turn and lean in. Remember Nurk early on, one of my biggest criticisms of him was um, when he leaned in to shots, he'd hit them. Yeah. DA is not like that. Like if he fades, it's still cash because his touch is so incredible. Right. But if he leans in, he's so big and strong and explosive that hook, if he clears might turn into a dunk because he doesn't need to turn and power to gather up. It's turn quick. Boom. Turn that thing over like that. And so that, those are my frustrations of him. Like, of like, okay. But even in those frustrations, 23 and 13 or 22 and 13, like, uh, it's nitpicky, it's, but like yes. also it, but it, but it highlights like how much better it can be. Look, I think DeAndre Ayton is a very good player. I think he can be great. Now, I don't know how much is left as far as changing him because he's 25 years old. Yeah, it's pretty hard at this point for guys to change much. But I've seen it. I'm not holding out hope that he does it. But if he does, I think he can be one of the four or five best bigs in the league. His coach figured it out. His coach had that career. Yeah. You know, it took him a minute. He gets to Detroit, gets the right group around him, Mm -hmm. and light switch on. There you go. I know my role is. I know what I'm capable of. And when you do something in a big moment, Mr. Big Shot, you tend to kind of carry that swagger the rest of your career, which he did. So, And that's the thing is I I think that 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 opportunity is there because the way the Blazers have talked about him, the way Chauncey talks about him and getting involved and stuff like that, like – I think they think he can be very good. Uh, I wrote just simply here, Danny. Malcolm Brogdon, breaking news. Malcolm Brogdon, still good at basketball. Yeah. yeah it turns out, I, I know some people are getting mad. All Malcolm Brogdon does is dribble, pass, and score. And it's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a six-man so of the you, year. Things you need your point guard and playmakers he's to He's taking do. over. Yeah, he's a six-man of the year. <laughs> yeah. People are complaining that he's taking over now. Yeah, huh? it's like, yes. Like, all he's doing is pounding the air of the ball. And it's like, again, do you want me to show you the clips of guys passing up shots? We'll get to a coaching thing in a minute. Because Well, that's not even a coaching thing. It's like, I'm looking at Shea. I'm looking at Scoot. I'm looking at those guys getting opportunities and going, this isn't for me yet. Yeah. Not not taking the opportunities when they're there. You give uh, Malcolm Brogdon a second opportunity, he's taking it. He's 100% taking it. And as far as the end game execution stuff, I was like, oh, I want him to run this set and this and this. I'm like, for what? You run a set for Scoot, what's he going to do right now? Mm-hmm. Nobody nobody trusts him as a shooter. They're going to under everything. Do you, do you want in game execution to be Scoot on a pull up? No. Do you, you know? I, I think ideally people do, though. Like, they know it may not be a shot that they should want, but I think, I know that on. sounds ridiculous. Go on. But I think people go – but see, this is the difficult thing. When your team's not good, mm-hmm. you have a high-caliber draft pick that's very highly touted. Some mm-hmm. say the first pick in a different draft. Mm-hmm. The expectations can get a little wonky. They can get sure. a little sideways. And so you, you, we know he wouldn't make that shot if it, if it was him, not Malcolm. But I think you just always have people instinctually want him to be doing it. They want to see it. Oh, I, I need to know for sure. You know, like – even I, if it's working, yeah, I'm Malcolm. I, I'm a firm believer in you don't get better in games in the sense of like you don't work on your jumper in games. You work on your jumper in practice and 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 your your out of game work, and you sure. that's where that stuff comes together. When it's ready, then it's used in game. Now mm-hmm. you can get to it a little bit, and I think you can get that stuff earlier in games for sure. I think in-game execution, it's it's about understanding. 
Like Malcolm Brogdon, for those that don't know, Malcolm Brogdon wants to get to his right. I made it. I made a joke about the in the Pacers game, like that Bruce Brown let Malcolm Brogdon get to his right. The Blazers set that play up so that Malcolm Brogdon was operating on the left side of the floor so he could get middle, and so that getting middle was his right hand. Because that feels good for him to go right. Whereas because like what happened right against the Bucks like game? Go left. Yeah. What, what happened in the Bucks game? He gets the switch on Brooke Lopez, but Brooke Lopez is playing to his right and Brooke playing him weak. Yep. He's playing him to his left hand. Yeah. And he couldn't get it. Remember? Dribble, 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 dribble. He got Brooke to fall down because Brooke fell down to, to Malcolm's right. He had nowhere to go. And so it was like, ah, the record scratch, and then it turns into like this aborted possession. But Malk knows what he wants to do. Right, left, has he, has he, tween, tween, get to the middle, pull up, or get to the rim, lay it up, or pull it from three. Like, he's mm-hmm. got a decision tree that's, you know, ding, 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 ding. Jeremy's decision tree is either catch and shoot, catch and attack off, off a closeout, or catch, work you down to the rim, and get to my spot. Right. He's not, he's not going to dribble you down. He's going to back you down. because But, th- like, those are guys who understand their game. What does Shaden understand about his game right now? That he can jump very high, but I don't know if he knows when and how to use it all the time. Okay. He's a solid catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, right? Sure. Okay. Is he great at attacking closeouts yet? Mm, I think he's okay. His mid-range can look really nice, or it can look like that one he had against the Pacers where he absolutely blew by the defender. Did you see him? It looked like somebody rebooted in midair. That (laughs) 10-footer. It was like, eh. And he just kind of like <laughs> threw it at the rim. And I'm like, what the hell? Like it's, it almost caught him off guard how open he was. Right. As opposed to like going to the rim and dunking. Because he was just so open. But, and then Scoot. Scoot's still trying to figure out who the hell he is. Yeah, like, Late game sure. execution is like 18th on the list. Like he doesn't know his own spots. So he doesn't know his spots. To get, and I've talked to Chauncey about this. And he's, he's said, look, Scoot doesn't know where, where he wants to get his shots at yet. He's, he goes, young guys, they work on everything because they think they're going to get all these shots in a game. Year two, year three, year four, you work on shots that get you at your spots because you know where your spots are and you know what spots you can get to effectively. And that's what starts unlocking as you go. So Scoot not being able to do X, Y, or Z, he's just trying to see what he can do or can't I, do. I, doesn't Shade? I mean, I, I feel like Shaden still has some of this too, even as a oh, second Oh, absolutely. We know that he loves to get that free throw line pull up. Mm-hmm. We know that he really loves to gather off two feet on dunks. Like he can he can go off one, off either one or off two. But if you God. see him, if you see if, him load off two, get ready. Also, he would have well, packed that on Miles. It was a foul. Flat out, it was a foul. I don't know how the hell you can't. Like, this that's crazy is a foul. Dog. I couldn't believe I don't, it. I, couldn't believe it. I, look, man. I, I the Giannis to, one, the Giannis one. I was kind of like, okay, that's, that's a foul. That, that, look, Jabari, that was Jabari Walker got called for uh, a foul after a block too. This same thing this year. So I just want some bleeping consistency, man. I'm just I'm yeah. tired. I'm tired of it one way or the other. It just drives me crazy. I, uh, I think it's a really hard thing for. It's a hard thing for the league right now because it's clear that the consistency is not there with this no, group. No, not at all. There and there is a ton of new officials in the NBA for those that don't know. Um, but there's like the guys are trying to figure out their spots. It takes years to do that. The difference was was Dame knew where his spots kind of were coming into the league 
because you mean he was 22. Yeah, at 22 years old, because he ran three billion pick and rolls and knew where he wanted to get his spots or where he wanted to get his shots from. And even yes. that changed as he as he got older. Remember, he used to try to dunk on everybody. His first couple mm-hmm. years in the league, he's like, I can't do this, man. I'm gonna get hurt. Hell, the other night, he rib checked himself. Dude, oh, he man. didn't know oh, what to do on oh, the layup dunk thing. Oh man, I asked him about it. He said I was just gonna turn it over. I just lost the ball going up. So Oh, that's the I worst still, feeling I still told him he was washed. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody in the crowd was thinking it for sure. Like, oh, oh God, yeah. He's like, Oh God, is Dave he's washed, he can't get there. He's like, Well, I mean, he's not cocking it back on anybody like that anymore. Um but that's what this season is about. In that you let those guys explore those opportunities, Brandon. In between Brandon. Or in between Brandon, in between Malcolm and Jeremy and DA and Ant when he comes back, so that it's not the Detroit Pistons where you're losing 14 in a row and everybody wants to kill each other. And it's organizational malfeasance. Highest on, paid coach in the league. And it's like, yeah, remember? Great coach. He is. Money's mm. a great coach, but also coaching. It's players, man. If you don't have dudes, if it doesn't make sense, there's not, there's no scheme you can put together. There's no scheme you can put together. But you look at this, like, everybody's like, well, they need to get Jeremy out of here, and Malcolm traded out of here, and maybe even DA, because he's 25. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. They're going to lose by 45 points, and those players are all going to have awful stats. And, and it's going to be miserable basketball, and they aren't going to learn. Well, no, I, I would argue they'd also develop really bad habits. Which happened with the process Sixers. And I've talked to Jeremy about those process sixers, and I've talked to other players on that team, and they all talk about how miserable it was. Yeah. It's not what you want, man. I'm telling you. Look, I am all about accumulating assets. Look, we talked about it coming into this, Brandon. They're on pace to win 20 games right now. Yeah, I looked at cleaning the glass today. It's 21. and some change yeah. and I'm like, oh. they're gonna suck man yeah. like that's not a problem <laughs> i think they can get a little more wins than that but yeah largely your point like, is yeah that like look do i want them to get a number one overall pick sure yeah especially in this draft because good god is it getting bleak out there in this draft it's, the more i dig into tape on guys the more i'm like oh Christ, I'm going to give ready. you a hot take. I want you to hold this right now. It's November, okay. so December hasn't hit. This is a yearly tradition becoming in the NBA where everybody tells you if there's not a Wimby, this draft isn't great, then the draft gets here and we're like, hey, there's like eight dudes. I th- I just personally think the draft, Danny, is to a point where some college guys will emerge in a couple months, and it's such an international game that like random guy in EuroLeague or random guy in somewhere – is going to pop up and people are going to tell themselves yeah. that they're real legit stars. The 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 one one guy or so pop like that's that happens every year mathematically that happens every year, but I'm talking about like who, the, this draft in general like even last year forget Wimby like Scoot Miller Thompson twins like people people liked the the draft like right. they, they really did but that was from the jump. Like, this feels like um, the Anthony Bennett draft. I think I just I think these drafts end up becoming a little just because I think there's more. There's certainly true that, but there's also like the development feels a little better. Like it's just a deeper league. This is also the COVID draft. It's the first iteration of the COVID draft. Oh, the class of guys coming out from oh, gotcha. 
So, like, it's kind of like, ah! A lot of these guys just missed so much time. They missed so much development, and so they're just behind the eight ball. And so I, I, I think, like, do I like Alex Saar? Yeah. I, 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 do I think that's probably the player the Blazers need the most? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a Jaron Jackson Jr. type player? Yeah. Be nice. Big athletic seven-footer who can stretch the floor and, and you know, actually like play the four as like a, a supreme big who can be comfortable guarding at the rim and on the perimeter. Like, yeah, I think that's super useful. Um, but you look at the wings and I'm just like, Justin Edwards? Ugh. He's, he looks atrocious at Kentucky. <laughs> He's, oh, there's been like nothing redemptive about him at all. I'm like, ah, you can't create, you can't shoot, you can't finish. What is it that you do? Jeez, man, you're just out here hating on cats. Well, no, I'm just, I've been watching a lot of college basketball. And look, there's a ton of parody around college basketball this year. Yeah. But NIL. Ugh, this, it's stinky. It's I, stinky NBA prospect wise. Let's, let's just do this. Let's put a pin in this. It's November. When we get closer to that time, we'll put a pin and we'll bring this back and we'll see, hey, maybe people have changed minds. Maybe people are feeling a different way. Kentucky did win tonight by 22 against a pretty damn good Miami team. Uh, That game was kind of interesting to watch. Let me ask you this, because you're hitting on a lot of things here that I think are not all coaching dependent. Sure. But I I think it's a pretty big topic with the fan base right now. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this from our homie, Sean Hyken. He's on rosegardenreport.com. He just moved to Substack. We're, you know, us and Sean are, are tight. Sean's the guy. He's, you know, I know you sit next to him at games. Mm-hmm. Sean's the homie. This is a mailbag question he got. So I'm going to kind of rip this off. And I want to shout out his mailbag. It's a really good article. So go read it. And it's basically about Chauncey. And one person says what they notice about Chauncey is the intensity in which the team is playing with. Mm-hmm. And then another person also asks if Chauncey improving as a coach, how do you like him in the role of teacher and mentor? And Sean gave, uh, I'll read the first paragraph. I'll get your thoughts. Grouping these two together because they both hit on the same thing. To address Ken, uh, one of the questions, he's coaching himself into another year, quote-unquote. I haven't heard anything suggest they're even thinking about making a change, barring something drastic. I wrote at the start of camp that this was the year Billups wouldn't be able to point to organizational chaos and roster uncertainty anymore. This roster was built specifically for him, and if things didn't work, it would be on him. Mm-hmm. Despite the record, the feeling with the organization is that it is, in fact, working. They're happy with the level of competitiveness every night, and he seems to be pushing all the right buttons as far as keeping everyone bought in despite changing roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he points to Tease going to the bench now with Tumani mm-hmm. coming into the starting lineup. Tease has been an absolute terrorist. Stop throwing behind the back passes. That's not your game. <laughs> Just keep doing what you're doing defensively. It's I, like watching. I went, what? It, it kind of reminded me like <laughs> watching Miles Garrett try to throw a 30 yard bomb. And I'm like, yeah. that's not, that's not what you do. You're not, you're not that guy. Yeah. What do you make though? What would you point to with people in this position of, it feels like he's better. Some people still out on him. There's yeah, a look, decent I'm, amount of Blazer fans that are out on him. Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. And I, and Sean and I have talked about this ad nauseum in the sense of like, so much of what they're doing now is what they wanted to do with a roster that couldn't do this. They matched the roster to the scheme. That's what happened. And so it makes more sense. But there's also, it's, it's more than just that. I think Chauncey in year three, he's just learning. Like year one, that man was throwing everyone under the bus. Of and he, he, To be fair, he wasn't wrong. Like he was throwing guys under the bus who were making 
dumb mistakes, who weren't playing hard, who weren't buying in, and he just went, nope. I'm gonna... came into an experienced situation, and he's not seeing them make experienced playmaking. Yeah. It's going to go well. This isn't good. He was he was basically he was coaching them and talking about them as he would as a player to player. But when you're a coach, no matter how good a player you were, it's different. Yeah, because you're on the other side. You're management now. You know, and so that was oh. Uh, I liked it. It was fun for me <laughs> in the sense of like, oh, you don't get this very often. What's, <laughs> you know, what's he going to say today? Um, <laughs> he has tightened that up. Now, he'll still talk to us behind the scenes on background and stuff, of, of, and, uh, and I appreciate that. So I have an understanding of what he was saying before, but not publicly. Um, and that matters so that we can talk about stuff in framing and like, that makes sense, right? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like I get what If somebody's a little banged up behind the scenes and it's not public, it's like, yeah, you don't you don't beat a guy up if he's nursing a, a mild hamstring or something, or a, a jammed finger. It's bothering him for a couple days, like stuff like that. Or a guys under the weather. He's like, ah, sure. You don't like those kind of things. That matters. Um, but also more than that, he's just got a better understanding for the flow of things. He's. I, I seen a lot of people are like they're not running anything, and I will sit here and bang this drum as long as Chauncey Billups is doing this. They are running everything. They are trying everything. The number of sets and plays that they will run on a given night, holy crap! Like on both sides of the ball, they are tr- like he's experimenting with a lot, but he's also different in the sense of like he will let Jeremy Grant just they'll run a little cross post for him and let him post up Bruce Brown seven times in a row why because it worked like stop I don't understand like I understand like flow and like in opportunity and things of that nature and nobody wants to stand around and watch somebody but when you've got a mismatch and you were hunting it and it's working don't stop picking that scab until they make you for sure. I don't understand why. Because, like, you, you have something that's working. You're like, ah, let's change it up because we need to change it up. It's like, no, they went to JG down the stretch over and over and over and over again. It's like, yeah, they're not going to double cover him. He's on one. Let him cook. And so Chauncey's willing to do that. Like, do I think Chauncey's the best coach in the history of basketball? No. No. Can, can, can you give those ISO stats we read? You, we went over some of this before oh, we yeah, did yeah, the yeah. pod. The so, ISO stats with teams versus other teams. So... The number one ISO team in the NBA is the LA Clippers, which makes sense. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook. Number two, that team that everybody talks about playing team basketball, Boston Celtics. Number three, Milwaukee Bucks. Number four, the Dallas Mavericks. And remember that team centric ball sharing, you know, they don't run isolations. The Oklahoma City Thunder. Those are your five most isolated teams. Check those records. Oh, those are teams near the top of the standings, minus maybe the Clippers. the Clippers who are weird. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah. Then you see the Heat and the 76ers and the Magic. There's a sprinkling see, the, of stupid. The Heat there. ones, the surprising one, I think, would be <clears throat> the Heat and OKC being in this would surprise most people because there's an idea that, like, OKC, deep young team. They got all these guys. Chess. The ball goes around everywhere. Da, 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 da. Right. No, you have isolation monsters. Yeah. Because Same in Miami. The ability to get a bucket on your own when teams... <clears throat> people do not factor in defense, I swear to God, when we have these conversations now. 
Nobody's willing to give defense credit. The, the Blazers blew a 26-point lead. Maybe the Bucks just decided to ratchet shit down. Yeah. Like, if you go back and watch, the Bucks competed their asses off defensively in that fourth quarter. They, they made ground up in the third quarter. The Blazers missed some shots, and the Bucks locked things up. It's okay to say defense won. I say all this to point out, the Blazers are 14th in total isolations in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Smack dab in the middle of the league. They're not, like, they're, they've run 308 as opposed to the Clippers, 462. Yeah, they're not near the most egregious team no. running ISO. No. And like Now, their ISO percentages, ugh, dead last yeah. in the league. Now, That's why it feels like, ba- see, but see, that is where you're hitting the nail on the head. That's why it feels so awful for yeah. people. That's why people go, see, not a good coach. It's the result because of the given situation versus like just running the play itself is a pretty, it's a pretty common thing with the best teams in this league. Yes. So if you look at Shaden, he has the 62nd most isolations. He is in the 14th percentile. Yikes. But that's what you're talking about with giving a young guy a leash. Brogdon, yeah. he has run the 53rd most. He's in the 35th percentile. Not great, but still, okay, you get it. Right. Let's see. Jeremy is the 25th most, 38th percentile. Yeah. When you don't have an SGA or a Giannis or a Dame, you have to be able to sometimes get a shot at the end of the clock or after something breaks down to find something because not every possession is going to be NBA 2K where the play diagram comes up. Sometimes shit gets blown up. Sometimes a screen isn't as good or sometimes somebody fight fights over or sometimes you hesitate on a read or sometimes you mishandle the ball or sometimes you miss a pass. Sometimes you hesitate. And all of that stuff is amplified with young guys. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the number one thing that I have seen from Scoot Henderson when he is on the floor trying to get by is that he sees the read, but the he's seeing it as it happens as opposed to anticipating it. So the process isn't isn't catching up. He's in that behind, one. which yeah. has gotten. I don't want to say a little bit better, a little bit more than a little bit, modestly better, coming off the bench, because he's not playing against the top guys. There's a little bit more of a margin of error. This is why I wanted him to come off the bench was that it would slow down a degree. Sure. And there's a, that window's a little bit wider because the difference between bench player and starting player it's, it's real. But if you can get that and get that understanding, things start to slow down for you a little bit more and a little mm-hmm. bit more and a little bit more. Now you start getting more comfortable and you can have them. Mm, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, it's also, I, I just want to highlight it real quick. It's not just all offense, by the way. In a city and a team where we've long seen pretty good high-end offense in our past, the defense has always been the most suspect. I just want to point this out. It's not that they're near the top in every defensive metric by any stretch, you know, middle of the road in points per possession, 19th in an effective field goal percent. They're in the top three percentile, 16.7%, Danny, of uh, right now. They're they're 16.7% of the turnover percentage for teams. So, like, defensively, they're putting pressure on teams. Oh, their playmaking is turnovers. Uh, Tumani and, and Tease, like I said, they're terrorists. It's in, been like, insane the to have. Way. 
Yes. Uh, Tease's anticipation and gambling has been fantastic. He's he's a, he's going like full matrix, like slowing everything down. He's not just like getting deflections. He's running through a pass at full speed. Charles Woodson pick six. Like I tweeted out a picture of him and Charles Woodson, like uh, rubbing your eyes. Like is that Charles Woodson? Like right, ripping through and going to the house. Like he has been so disruptive, so disruptive. It is like, he's, and that's because they've been so good defensively as far as like at the point of attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Blazers are uh, fourth best team in the league defending isolations in a points per possession basis. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on ball screens, let's take a look. Do, 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 do. Team defensive, defensive, defensive. There we go. Uh, defensively, the Blazers are eighth best team in the league defending off ball screens as a, as a mm. mean getting cut. So they're not getting backdoored a ton, okay? Um, Shout out to them for that. Nobody wants that. No, that's terrible. And then let's see. Picks. Let's see. Uh, pick and roll. How many picks have they been in defensively? The Blazers have been in 1,047 or approximately 63 a game. Okay? Points per chance defensively, they are fourth so offensively running pretty normal situations given everything they have to deal with defensively taking pretty big strides this year given the roster tweaks and additions they've had with the likes of not only T's coming back and signing him but adding a Tamani Kamara from that Nurk trade yeah now if you uh if you take a look at where <laughs> defensively where they get killed, it's it's on drives. Uh, they're they're allowing the fourth most on drives, so they're getting murdered on. What's well, also hard when you don't have a legitimate backup big though, too. Like when DeAndre goes off the court, yeah. it's like, well, who's going to step in? How about Jabari Walker? And you're like, uh, I now, like Bari, but yeah, but he's the, he's more four than five. Um, and right. the other part of this is they're getting killed on threes. You know, overall, uh, my point is this. I think everything we've hit on tonight and on the Chauncey thing, like, let's just breathe a little bit. They're they're playing good basketball right now. They're they, playing competitive basketball in an era where they shouldn't be remotely. Yes. Like that's we, we've we spent the whole summer priming this. Danny, I went into the I've, I went into the season mentally and said every game, I'm just going to assume they get blown out. Yeah. And. Every game now, I'm like, I'm kind of surprised if they're not hanging around in the third quarter. OKC you know? is the only game they've never been in. OKC is like them on steroids four years ahead of them. So, yeah. like, yeah, they realize their potential a little bit. But it's also that, a top four team in the West right now. Like, let's give them respect. Second, I think it's Minnesota. Yeah, well, it's that's Minnesota, what I'm saying. It's Minnesota and OKC. So, and they're duking it out right now. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's give them some of their earned respect. Like that team, it's okay to get your ass kicked by that team. A lot of teams are. Uh, I, I think so far, like I got nothing really to complain about. They're doing what they need to do. We have a lot to talk about as the season continues to go on and growth is shown. But there's signs that are positive, and it's been a nice mix with these vets and these and these rookies, man. No, it's been fun. Um, Tamani, his 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 um, brand of sh- of shithousery has tampered ever so slightly. I thought Halliburton was really the first time he was like. 
this guy's a problem for me. <laughs> like he's been a problem for the whole league. Yeah. And it's not, it's not a might be an MVP it. candidate. And, uh, he's going to be in a couple of years. He's he's that good. Um, but that was just like that's really really been it. I mean, Giannis bullied him, but Giannis, I, I just I throw that out. Nobody has a chance with him. <laughs> like Giannis and, is an outlier for guys like yeah, him, though. You know, yeah, you're just like, nah, he's gonna he's gonna kill everyone. Uh, he was definitely caught off guard by how strong Giannis actually is because he got bodied by him a few times, and you could see the eyeballs get big. Like, oh, that's the problem. <laughs> got it. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, you've got Scoot, you've got Shaden, you've got Tamani, you've got Da, yeah. like, you've got stuff, and and Ant should be back. Week? 10 days. 10 days? Okay. That's I cool. still think the 14th, so maybe two weeks. So by the time um, they come back from the, the road, The next thing. road trip, yeah. yeah. They get a big okay. six-game roadie, I think it is. So Because they get back from this five-game, I think they have one, and they go back out. It's one or two, and they go back It's out a weird again. schedule, yeah. Yeah, it sucks. They're on the road a ton this month. Um, but no, this is uh, – it, they're in a good place, even at 5-12. and 12, They're in a good place. I, I tend to agree with you. That that was all. That was all to hit on tonight in terms of uh, topics and things to address, given everything that's been happening. All right. Well, thank you, guys. We appreciate you. We love you. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Help us grow the show. Jack Ramsey's at gmail.com if you want to reach out uh, on social media, at Danny Maring, at Brandon Sprague, at Jack Ramsey's across social media. Uh, we'll be back soon. Uh, we I was supposed to have Caitlin Cooper on tonight. Uh, she will join us later because, obviously, Caitlin Cooper, for those that don't know, uh, at C2 Cooper on, on Twitter, follows the Pacers, one of the best writers literally in the NBA world right now. Um, she has kind of watched the, the young Pacers kind of take a step or two and kind of watched the development. Of a, of a strange point guard in Tyrese Halliburton and how yeah. he went from a guy who was like, ah, I don't know, there's some awkwardness to him to like, eh, second best point guard in the NBA. He knows <laughs> like, ball. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Caitlin um, uh, had some stuff come up, but well, I want to have her come on because she's very, very, very bright in how she looks at the game. Uh, yes. And I want to get her thoughts on what she what she saw from uh from the, from the Young Blazers, from from Scoot, from Shaden, uh, from Tamani, and kind of work our way from there. And we'll get some more guests uh, as we kind of work things through of the rest of, the, of this road trip. Uh, thank you to all of you. And again, if you can, like, rate, review, subscribe. Find us wherever you do podcasts. And until next time, we will catch you then. Take care. Mm, bye.